Gonna take me a train Got to get to keep it straight I'd rather ride on the rail Than take a plane or set my sail Pretty soon I'll see my woman Been so long since I saw Jane Along the way I'll kill some time the paper, drink some wine, take a nap and fall asleep, the dreams I dream they go so deep, now the train is slowing down, my love for Jane is all around, Leisure City, Princeton and Got to get back on that train Now I'm leaving Peter's train I'll ride the rails until the end Then I'll look up my old friend The train is rolling down the track Don't know if I'll be coming back And good evening. It's Monday, June 10th, 2019. I'm Vinny Marini, and I welcome you to take a seat on the couch. Founded in 1980, the Blues Foundation is Memphis-based, but world-renowned as the organization whose mission is to preserve blues heritage, celebrate blues recording and performance, expand worldwide awareness of the blues, and to ensure the future of this uniquely American art form. With over 4,000 members, 200 affiliated blues societies, and continually growing communication and social media outreach, the Blues Foundation reaches and represents millions of blues fans and professionals the world over. With your support, the Blues Foundation is able to recognize blues musicians and their music with the Blues Music Awards, the highest accolades given in blues performance and recording. Care for those in need with the Heart Fund which provides financial support for acute and chronic medical and dental care, as well as funeral expenses for blues families in need. Through the Heart Fund, the Blues Foundation also offers health screenings at major music events to provide preventative care and early intervention to ensure musicians' long-term wellness. The Foundation also supports and mentors youth and their love for the blues through Blues in the Schools networking and award scholarships to young musicians to attend accredited blues camps and workshops via its Generation Blues program. 
The foundation brings the best and upcoming blues musicians the world has to offer to compete on Beale Street each year as part of the International Blues Challenge. Besides the challenge, the week also includes workshops, panels, master classes, films, networking events, jams, and showcases. This is the largest gathering of the blues community in the world. If you're not a member of the Blues Foundation, please visit blues.org and sign up today. For as little as $25 per year, you will be allowed to vote for the Blues Music Awards, gain free admission into the Blues Hall of Fame Museum, and help the Blues Foundation to continue to keep the blues alive and thriving. Taz Crew has three shows coming up in the next two weeks. Next Thursday, he'll be at Wilbert's Bar and Grill in Cleveland at 8.30 p.m. He and the Tortured Souls then head to Slippery Noodle the next night uh, in Indianapolis for a show there and then off to the Marshall Blues Fest in Marshall, Michigan, where they'll headline the Blues Fest there. Check out the entire schedule going forward at TazCrew.com, T-A-S-C-R-U. Dot com. Uh, we got some sad news yesterday in the blues world on um, the passing of Spencer Bowen. Um, Spencer was a couch kid. He appeared on the couch back in 2013. Uh, and last year, 2018, when his last album came out, we were making arrangements for him to, to return, but we were never able to get a date together. And then things turned bad and we just never got it on. Um, your music lives on, Spencer. Uh, we're going to play a song by Spencer, uh, the title track from the, the last album he produced, uh, played on uh, at the end of the show. Um, but right now, um, at the top of the show, you heard the song Train to Key Biscayne from my first guest, Peter Ward. Uh, and good evening, Peter, and thank you so much for taking time to join me. Hey, Benny, I'm happy to be on the couch with you tonight. Now, you were born Very in happy Lewiston, to be on the couch. Thank you. You were born in Lewiston, Maine, uh, same hotel, same home, hometown as Muhammad Ali. Um, uh, talk about the music that was played in your home by your mom and dad when you were just like crawling around on the floor. Well, my dad did like uh, big bands, and he used to go see them at a pretty popular place in Maine, the Old Orchard Beach Pier. And he goes, I don't know why their eyes were red when they were coming off the bus all the time. <laughs> well, they were probably tired. He was he was a little yeah. naive, but he did know good mm-hmm. music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you heard. Uh, and he, yeah. So he loved the big bands and the beat, and he um, understood the blues to some extent. And he also mm-hmm. taught a little bit of jazz at his retirement um, uh, school that he went to. And my mother liked opera but she didn't really like, we played blues all the time. And she goes, all that blues you're playing, it's all about I love you and uh, why'd you leave me? It's the same thing over and over. I said, hey, what about your opera? That's all your opera's about. <laughs> same thing. She goes, yeah, actually, you're right. You got me there. Yeah. <laughs> She's a good yeah, sport about yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so what was the first instrument you ever played, uh, Peter? And, and how old were you? Well, I was around 12 or so and picked up a guitar and got a uh, My sister had a guitar line around. That was in the days of uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary and Joan Baez. And she got a guitar and ironed her hair so that it would be straight and long like mm-hmm. uh, Joan Baez's hair. That's what the girls did back then <laughs> for a short time. I remember. <laughs> yep, yep. And then James Taylor was sort of around, but I kind of liked blues even in the earliest time of James Taylor, 1970 or so got a song book with his songs which showed how to play some of the chords but my older brother 
and we of course love the Beatles. I saw, got to see them on TV, <laughs> and Jerry and the sure. Pacemakers, the British Invasion, you know. And yeah. even then, my brother said, "Oh, some of what they're playing is blues." He liked blues, and he and his friends would play blues at a party. And I thought it sounded so strange. Junior Wells and Buddy Guy. I thought that like messing with the kid from that Chicago mm-hmm. blues today. I thought that sounds so dumb. It's so stupid. And as soon as he left, I put it on. I said, that is so great. <laughs> and I just had to know what it was about. I don't know why I had a contrarian view. <laughs> There's something wrong. I'll have to talk about that on the couch with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, was that your brother, Jeff, you, you, you're talking about just now? No, my older brother, Mudcat. And he's a oh, oh, your older brother, Mudcat. Years. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And his his best friend got around the uh, beer age limit law in Maine by just simply simply sending out for beer um, and having it delivered in a taxi. <laughs> I don't know why no one else thought of that. So they, in nice. other words, they were too young to buy the beer. But um, anyway, but wow. they didn't drink that much. But like the music no. coming out of their party, of course they wouldn't let me in. But the music coming out of their party sounded really good. <laughs> Howlin' Wolf, sure, well, but he guy, BB King. And as you got older, you started playing with them during your high school years, right? You guys, you started playing with them a little bit um, in, in the bands, yes, correct? my brother. Yes, okay. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And when um, I played yeah. with a harp player. And... Go ahead. Well, a harp player who didn't like any amp. He never thought he, he didn't like one amp for his harp. He played through his stereo. He brought his whole, the turntable and the speakers. It's the thing he, said, he thought sounded best. And I said, you really got to get an amp. And then we saw Carrie Bell one night who came up to Portland, Maine with Willie Dixon. And would you know it? Carrie Bell had a stereo <laughs> with a uh, turntable. <laughs> he was that not he playing through with? an amp. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Amazing. So said, so I'm never going to make fun of anybody. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to make fun of anybody's choice of amplifiers again, ever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and just, just again, you, we passed over quickly. You mentioned your older brother, Mudcat. He obviously has been playing bass uh, guitar for many years and was bassist for Sugar Ray and the Blue Tones. Um, Blue Tones, yeah. Um, and and was, was there when you finally made your move south to Boston. How old were you when you uh, went down to Boston? I think it was 17 or 18. I had okay. uh, one year of two years of college but i realized there was so much blues in boston at that time great players including johnny nicholas who sings that song that you heard uh trained to keep his game he had a mm-hmm. great band back then and uh, it was such a great thing to hear he he was he was partic- one of my particular favorites and of course he, he had um it was uh, john nicholas in the rhythm rockers for a while had ron levy who played with albert king and um and uh he had um oh Kaz Kazanoff from Texas <laughs> playing okay, hard sure, saxophone, sure. and then yeah. later on Ronnie Earl was his guitar player. But they played a walloping great blues on Sunday nights every Sunday, and then other places on other nights. And they'd bring in people like Big Walter Horton, which was really exciting to see, of course. So yeah, I was I in imagine. the right place. I I didn't want to go back to Bangor, Maine, although there was good country <sighs> music up in Bangor, really great mm-hmm. country music live uh, at a TV station, but I was just listening to it. I went to see that. And Dick Turles, the country player, was up there in Bangor. I met him out in a field of snow when he had a real train out on a track. Oh, but going back Amazing. to Boston, yeah, the blues was so great. Did you have rock? 
Sorry. Amber alert on my it, phone. I apologize. Um, oh, yeah. It'll, it'll stop Let me know in if a you second. have a hurricane. No, it's an amber alert. Oh, amber, uh, yeah, right. Amber alert, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's the second time this one's gone off. The first one went off like three hours ago. That's interesting. Um, oh. But, that, uh, yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, you're in Boston. So, you know, talk about how you were assimilating there and how you started to play with people. Um, you know, how did it all go down for you? I mean, was it was it difficult to start to get in, get involved, or did you fit right in? Well, I I sort of um, a little bit of both. I was a little shy in those early days, but I did meet other people at the same kind of level, same uh, high interest in blues. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't have to talk that much about what kind of blues. I just wanted to play very improvisational blues that took its time, but Chicago sort of, sort of Chicago style. Right. And um, play covers mostly, you know, that we heard B.B. King, stuff like that. Billy Boy Arnold had a harp player in my band. I was lucky to play. I could sit in with uh, Sugar Ray and the Blue Tones, which had which was co-founded by Ronnie Earl, Sugar Ray. North right. Here. Sure. And they'd let me yeah. play at the end. At the end of the great night, they'd let me. Sometimes Ronnie would hand me the guitar, his old strat, an old strat. Oh, nice. You know? And nice. it would have four, four strings, <laughs> just four strings. <laughs> he had drunken too. It's not easy to play with just four strings. It really is. No, <laughs> no I doubt. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Um, let's listen to another song from the album Train to Keep This Cane. Talk about your song, When You Are Mine. Yeah, um, I don't know. I was I got into a real um, kick where I was just right. Um, a lot of melodies came to my brain, and I had a smartphone. I never used it to its full extent. I still don't know how to use, you know, everything on it. But able to put the voice memo and re- and record into it. I don't know why I didn't do that more often. I probably have forgotten many melodies, but um, I just, uh, I'm not sure how that song came about, but um, I had a lot of um, chord, uh, the chord change was, uh, I figured out on guitar and then made the words fit. And I wanted to have a, a song that was uplifting, optimistic about love, what, Sometimes mm-hmm. I do. So sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't <laughs> optimistic. But yeah. this one had a happy ending. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter Ward. The album is trained. Uh, uh, yeah, my my trained to keep this game. Sorry. Uh, and this is when you are mine.
Hey, this is Dave Gross, and you're listening to Vinnie Bonmarini's Music on the Couch with Musicians You Should Know. Sitting here uh, talking with Mr. Peter Ward and uh, his album, Trained to Key Biscayne. Peter's on guitar and vocals. Sugar Ray Nocia's on harmonica and vocals on a few tracks. Uh, Mudcat Ward plays bass. Uh, Neil Govan is on drums. Anthony Garacci on piano. Uh, Luther Jr. John... Luther Guitar Junior Johnson uh, does his, uh, vocals on one of the songs. Ronnie Earl adds guitar. Michelle Wilson adds vocals. Johnny Nicholas adds vocals. Jerry Nadoma adds piano to a few songs. Bob Berry adds bass. George Delamo adds drums. Hank Walther, piano and harmonica and organ. Uh, Aaron Gratzmiller adds saxophone and organ. Keith Asik adds some guitar, bass, and drums. Uh, Peter wrote all the songs on the album was recorded and mixed and mastered by Keith Asik at Keep the Edge Studios in Quincy, Mass. Quincy, Mass. Uh, Johnny Nicholas recorded at the ice. Uh, Johnny Nicholas was recorded at the Ice Cream Factory in Austin, Texas, by Bruce Hughes. Uh, and one of the tracks was uh, one of the tracks. Sometimes always slows me down, which we'll hear later, I think. Um, uh, was recorded at uh, Wachusett Recording in Princeton, Massachusetts. Uh, and the whole thing is uh, on uh, self-release by Peter. There we go. Album love. There we go. Boom. Um, so now you're in Boston and you're performing. Uh, and uh, w- once a week or so, you travel to Rochester, New York, right after I left there, um, w- to play with uh, a gentleman named Joe Beard, who is an old neighbor of Sun House. Uh, talk about how you met Joe and how that relationship um, developed. Um, well, I was playing, um, actually I played for a year in Boston with, um, Johnny Copeland. And when he changed from, uh, going from soul, he wanted to change into a blues bag. And that was great. I traveled with him mostly around new England for a year. Then I don't know, I think I left that band and I can't remember exactly why, but I love John, uh, Johnny Copeland. He was excellent. And a bass, I know a bass player in Boston who was working, uh, with Joe Beard out in Rochester, going back and forth about eight hours on the throughway and said that they needed a guitar player. Well, I went out there and I fell in love. It was called the House of K and the K and T Tavern House of Blues. This was before the the Dan Aykroyd Blues Brothers. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know the venue. I, I know the venue. I went to school <laughs> in Rochester up until seven up until seventy six. So, um, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, so I know, the, yeah, I know the venue. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a tough club. You know, it was tough. Uh, yeah. Let me put it this way: they had cool. Cool. The whole cigarette machine was all cool cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but, and sometimes I'd get, you know, I'd be walking there, and someone would say, you know, you you think you were in trouble, and I can't fight. I'm a peaceful, nonviolent person. But they say, who are you? I say, I'm with Joe Beard. Oh, no problem. <laughs> they would be very yeah. nice to you because you played sure. blues. It was a great club. It wasn't that violent, really, though. In there, people yeah. were really nice. And Joe played on Sunday for mostly church going. Uh, older ladies who were all dressed so nice for church, and then they'd come hear the blues. And I thought, this is the real thing. It was great. But on, on Fridays and Saturdays, it was a little tougher in there. There was um, no, no lights except for one recessed blue bulb, and there was so much cigarette smoke in there that it was like it looked like a blue pole. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's they had crazy. a jukebox. I'm not sure. It, it was a real juke joint, and the, it was a real yeah. classic juke joint, except in Rochester, not you know in the deep south. But, which yeah, you uh, know about and the blues was so great john mooney lived up there at that time and would come down 
But Joe Beard, yeah. he's kind of an unknown outside of um, Rochester. And I brought him to Boston to play with Buddy Guy and Junior Wells on a mini tour that I set up. And uh, that was kind of fun. And uh, actually, one real quick story, Joe Beard, uh, the day we had to go play in Harvard Square in, in Cambridge, I said we started out in the morning, though, that morning in, in Rochester. And I go to Joe's house. We we're going to take two cars. And he had his Cadillac and he had his engine up over the car, like on a hoist type thing. Oh, gosh. I said, Joe, we really we have no time. We have to leave like right now or we're going to be late for the sound check. Never mind the sound check, you know. He goes, don't worry. He was very calm. Joe Beard, he's still around and he's still active playing blues up there, by the way. But he said, don't worry. Don't worry. I said, I'm worried. I'm worried. So he said, you go on with the drummer and I'll be coming by when we get it, this done. And would you believe it? He, um, we came into Boston around the same time. <laughs> I don't know how he got that engine into the car. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know how fast you can do that kind of thing. He, I he rolled in. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I would, yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, <laughs> anyway, we made the, spent the and spent the number. Yeah, and then from there you spent a number of years and you they were toured and recorded with the legendary blues band, which was comprised of uh, a bunch of buddies, buddies old uh, players. Um, and, and then I can't really seem to find where Peter was during the 90s and into the 2000s. So why don't you tell us what was going <laughs> on in your world uh, during those years? Well, I don't want to gloss over the uh, importance of the uh, legendary blues band guys because no, no, that please. was a nice talk about opportunity. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were great. It was Pine Top Perkins, and we traveled you know, hundreds of miles each day in the truck of Pine Top, Willie Big Eye Smith, Calvin yeah. Fuzz Jones, and Jerry Portnoy right. on harmonica. And, uh, and, you know, they played blues exactly the way I wanted to play blues and learn sure. from yeah. them. You know, I call it an unhurried thing, but that Muddy Waters sound, they still, it was a, it was a kind of a shock. It was huge blues news at that time that they left Muddy because of some dispute over money, basically, but it, they were such a family. No one ever thought they would, it was like the Beatles breaking up, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I remember. Were. I remember it was crazy. And it was a big thing and it was never quite the same with Muddy. He picked up some other musicians, but to play, to perform without Pine Top, seeing Pine Top, who's always smiling and one of the most likable yeah greatest piano players and he lived for a long time after that of course and I got well to known see, to Memphis. I got yeah I got to see Pine Top uh my first Memphis in May when I moved to to the city it was 2007 um what a tent it was that year but Pine Top um uh, Hubert Sumlin played in that tent um but Pine Top after he got done went over and sat uh, uh, next to the stage in a folding chair um and it had to be 200% humidity in that tent, never drop a sweat and talk to every single person who wanted to speak with him. And I spent, yeah, I, I probably spent, I probably spent way too much time talking to him. I probably should have moved on and let somebody he, else go in, but I just, I couldn't <laughs> stop. <laughs> right. Because he was yeah. so, so nice and accommodating. Yeah. And he would tell you anything you want to know about blues, uh, piano playing or guitar playing like yeah. he was until his, some woman cut him on the arm with a knife in his early days, and yeah. he went from guitar to piano after that. Yeah, and exactly. he could talk about Muddy. He could tell you anything you want to know about Muddy. Sometimes too much. <laughs> about mm. Muddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, sometimes I saw. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't want to take too much time, but even in places like Nebraska, we played, I was just telling somebody about this, and I remember a gig very vividly in Hastings, Nebraska. It was like a 4-H type fair. I don't think they'd ever seen African-American uh, musicians or people, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm, These mm-hmm, kids, mm-hmm. young teenagers, and they stormed the stage, and I thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble. They gathered around Pine Top Perkins, and uh, they'd never seen He was debonair. You know, he had a... Uh, Derby and a, like a smoking jacket and usually sometimes yep. a glass of cognac and playing that boogie woogie. I mean, it was, you know, really just remarkable, great. And they loved him just on a basic connection. They could tell that he was a great thing. <laughs> you know, it was a yeah, great thing. absolutely. And I, absolutely. And these farm kids who really didn't know much about blues, I imagine. And so just there were scenes like that, that made that gig really terrific. And so lucky to play. All I did was have to play like the Jimmy Reed style, you know, bottom that's you know, on guitar mm-hmm. for any guitar players out there who know. And that's, that's very satisfying for me and playing ninth chords and just filling in like as an ensemble player and learning how to find my way. But okay. So that was about three and a half years in the 1980s. <laughs> then I thought I better get a real job. I got nervous about it. And I, I was married to Mae Kramer, who was a blues, very popular uh, DJ in Boston. Mm-hmm. For 24 right. years, she had a show two nights a week for 24 years and on the weekends. And a lot of all the blues people would stop off at her show. Sometimes they'd, I'd have to shoo them out of the studio so they could go to the House of Blues or other venues and really where people were waiting for them. But they right. enjoyed sure. talking Absolutely. to her. Yeah. She's like you, someone who really loves the music and, you know, the musicians. She was, I don't know, you see that in blues a lot where people are very dedicated to the something bigger. It's not just business, you know, it's yeah, the music yeah. and the people. And then I um, became a re- newspaper reporter. I, d- I thought I'd better get a degree. And I played around a little, but things changed kind of fast. I didn't get into, uh, I didn't play enough to play at the real, that other house of blues. And um, at a time when a lot of people were coming up and kind of making a name for themselves. So I kind of watched from the outside, but, but continued listening to blues, but people like uh, monster Mike Welsh were uh, at the age of uh, 13, 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. was really tearing it up. And he's, he's excellent. He was then, and he's a monster today. (laughs) Absolutely. um, So I kind of, I kind of lived a normal life. I won't, I won't say I totally retired from music, um, but I, and around all the way to 2010, you know, I was uh, interested in this and Western Swing, went down to Texas and made a record with the, uh, some, with Herb Remington of the uh, old Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys band. Then I decided. Yeah, to I saw that. I saw, I saw that. In, I saw that in your bio. I thought that was really interesting. I was curious, curious how that all, how that all came about. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, from like you mentioned earlier up in Maine, you know, there was it was a lot of country music. So there was that there you had that, you know, that connection there um, to that. And uh, I thought that was cool that you uh, that you that you work with Herb uh, on that album. Yeah, um, I give a lot of credit to my older brother who was a little more. I don't know. I have to admit he and I like I love my brother, but he was very um, more curious about stuff. He'd go out and buy a Bob Wills record when I wouldn't even think of it because I like blues. And then he'd put it on and it had Roly Poly and Milk Cow Blues, mm-hmm. and it was big big band, but it was swinging and it had a lot of blues in it too. And so we I enjoyed that. Then I thought some of these guys are still alive. So in the 1990s, I went down to Turkey, Texas, which is not easy to get to from Massachusetts. <laughs> it mm-hmm. fly two flights and then still drive a hundred miles, but got to meet some Eldon Shamblin, the great guitarist and 
um, Bobby Kofer, the steel guitarist, and Herb Remington. And over time, I decided I'd like to make a Western swing record with those guys, with some with, with nice. Herb, who was one of yeah, them who just sure. died recently in the last uh, eight months. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. And that made me think I'd like to make some blues records, too, before I kick, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And 2017, and, uh, you uh, released uh, Blues on My Shoulders. Um uh, which I, I it was actually that's the first time you've had it. You, that was the first album you did with your name on the title, right? That's correct. I had done a little bit After, of recording with Ronnie Earl and Sugar Ray and the Blue Tones, um, right. and Left Hand Frank Craig. If you want to uh, have a trivia question, <laughs> he was a great Chicago bluesman, not that well known. Left Hand Frank, um, but I went mm-hmm. on tour with him with him and JB oh. Hutto back in. Uh oh, I don't remember when exactly seventy. Mm-hmm eight or so or 1980 somewhere around there and i played with jimmy rogers on a thing around that time too but um, yeah yeah but i, so I, I knew you, I had, you know you had played and you were on the legendary you know legendary blues band album but this was the first time it said peter ward on the on the front cover of the album um so that had to be pretty right. interesting and 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 it was successful and got a lot of airplay um uh, did it surprise you uh, yeah, I knew I was not well known, and you know I still am probably not too well known among some people. But I'm trying to, you know, even at my age. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I did see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan <laughs> at the time mm-hmm. live. That yeah. tells you something. So did we all. And we ran out and bought. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was a little surprised, um, and I decided, and I, um, yeah, so I wrote several songs for that one. I think are almost all originals on that one, except for one. That's right. Yes, the one and cover. One, one cover. Yeah. Right. And I wrote a song, She Took It All, <laughs> about based on a friend who um, I thought was happily married, and so did he. But I, and I saw him a couple of years later, and he said, she took everything. You know, she took the house mm-hmm. and the car. So I went from there. And as I wrote more songs, <laughs> I tried to write mm-hmm. a variety of styles within the blues and right. the kind of blues I like. And, you know, there's a big thing going on, you know, with the way the blues is played now. Uh, it, there's different schools within the blues. It's kind of funny because blues is kind of a small world. It's a big world and a small world. <laughs> but even within that world, there's different, you know, there's uh, Joe Bonamassa, the real heavy Stevie Ray Vaughan school. And I like I like almost all kinds of blues, but I do like the traditional. And I think it's difficult to play um original within the traditional style and that's what i kind of like to do to be original and do something fresh that hasn't been done and not copy somebody but capture some of the flavor of the old blues i have to admit i do like the old blues better than the new which but that's not to say there aren't great players today that i do uh, appreciate and admire so i kind of feel like that's my niche that's what i know best you sure. know sometimes i think and, that, oh, and, that, and that's and that's, that's just, just fine you know we talk about it all the time here. We say, you know, for me, it's like umbrellas. Um, you know, there are certain people, uh, you know, there are people that, you know, those little cocktail umbrellas you get in your drinks. Only what fits under this is the blues. And then you've got, you know, the, 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 the pop-up umbrella. And then you've got a regular umbrella. And you've got, you know, up to a beach umbrella. And I always say mine is pretty much like a two-side two, two side beach umbrella. There's a lot that fits under the, the umbrella that I call the blues um, because I truly believe you know, like Willie said, you know, it's the roots and everything else is the fruit. And you can trace almost every music form, you know, to the blues 
from that's come out of you know since then um so it's it's interesting um and what you're doing you know i mean obviously it's it, it's it, there's 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 a desire for it and there's a want for it um did you think that this album produce, working on this album was it easier was it was there a little bit more stress to this album maybe that uh you know jesus that you know the first album did so well i got to do you know i got to do just as just as good on this one uh, no, I didn't think of it like that at all. Actually, I thought oh, cool. I have a lot of songs. Those songs, and I had been in a relationship that ended quite a few, several years back. So I was very free <laughs> to think about different things. And it's funny, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you're not in a love situation, <laughs> I was writing songs about. I mean, I was not um, sad and alone. I was maybe alone, but I wasn't sad. <laughs> so I was kind of happy, and right. uh, that yeah. sometimes leads to things. And I, all of a sudden, these various songs. Uh, you know, came came to me, and I still found that sometimes you pick up a guitar and you play like maybe a Jimmy Reed style thing, and you got something to say, and it's so nice to feel that you're not um, just trying to play a song that you heard the way it's supposed to be done or something. But now it's starting to come out of you based on how you feel, and you know, mm-hmm. of course, you know this, and so do all real blues players and fans. But like blues is not sad. It's I mean. It can some some lyrics are sad, and I wrote a sad song on here. Uh, I saw your it's called I saw your home, based on a sad thing I had seen. But basically, for the most part, blues is, does make you feel. It makes audiences feel good. Dancers can feel good, and I think in the history of things, people even like Robert Johnson. I'm sure they felt good playing the blues. And Rob, oh you know, sure, um, yeah. yeah, Johnny Shine, absolutely. I, I know he did. I remember talking yeah. to them. They yeah. were, that's all they wanted to do is play blues and 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 please people with with their music. Right. Now, do you still hold a, a concert uh, every year um, uh, in in May's honor? Uh, for I do, and I just we just had the last one a, a week ago, actually a week ago. Oh, tonight, okay. And that was uh, okay. Duke Robillard. Yeah, I can't promote it, but it'll, there'll be one next year. <laughs> Each year, okay. I do it for yeah. charity to keep blue, traditional blues alive. Uh, and for charity, uh, um, and also, um, what's the third thing? Charity and keep blues alive. I pay the musicians, which is kind of nice. We had it, we had it in the theater, and it, um, and uh, Sugar Ray was on there. Ronnie Earl came down and oh, sat in and played good, and cool. Duke and Ronnie played together, which is very nice. Um, wow. It's the Duke and the Earl, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And my brother yeah. was on the very show. Cool. And, very cool. Very cool. I think that's very. And that cool. was very nice. You I continue do, doing I do that. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, his name is Peter Ward. He's a musician that you should know. Uh, check him out on Facebook. You don't have a, a website, do you, Peter? Yes, I do. It's www.peterwardblues.com. Okay. So and it has for all, some reason, I couldn't it has, no, it didn't and come the up. lyrics. It has my lyrics. <laughs> it didn't get on the okay. record, though. That's that, that URL. <laughs> but uh, so I'm on. Yeah, there. and. And um, uh, are you doing any touring to support the uh, um, to, to support the album? Just uh, yes, local gigs. I have one Monday up in Manchester. I mean, um, let's see, Monday at Glens in uh, Newburyport, right. Massachusetts. I know all your listeners are from all over the world. Right. And um, also, so you Saturday, don't, you're not doing Saturday, any, Manchester. Right. Okay, but you're not you don't go you're not going out on the road or doing anything like that at this point. No, but I am con- contemplating a European short tour, uh, possibly nice. in the fall, uh, next fall. So okay. uh, if anybody's okay. booking bands, let me know. Please contact me. 
PeterWardBlues.com is the website. Uh, make sure you go check it out. Make sure you add uh, Train to Key Biscayne to your library. We're going to have uh, time to share one more song uh, from the album. You mentioned this one earlier. Uh, Something Always Slows Me Down. Um, do you want to add anything before I hit the play button, Peter? Uh, yeah, that's an original song I wrote. And um, let's see. And that, it's a little bit about road rage. <laughs> and I, uh, okay. you know, who I had in mind, even, and I had in mind um, Frankie Lee Sims, because uh, I love his singing. He's kind of less, not as well known. Um, and Johnny Winter used to play quite a bit of um, Frankie Lee Sims songs uh, for uh, what's oh what's uh, uh, Luba May? What for Lou, Luba May will do? Is that the name of it? I can't remember right now. But um, so I had a little bit of guidance thinking about uh, Frankie Lee Sims of Texas as I did the as I did the song and the Sugar Ray is on the harp. This is one of the few songs I sing. I had such good singers around me. I thought I'd uh, dole out some of the vocal chores on this record. Sure. And but once in yeah. a while, I like to get my licks in too. <laughs> there you go, Peter. I appreciate you. Uh, and I I look forward to us uh, crossing paths and meeting at some point in the future. Thank you, Vinny. I'm really pleased uh, and appreciative of you having me on the show. I appreciate. Uh, I like being on the show. Thanks very much for playing my music. Absolutely. And playing blues. And, uh, absolutely. Something always slows me down. The album is Trained to Keep This Gain. Mr. Peter Ward. <laughs>
Two days, 22 acts, eight showcases, all on site in downtown Midland, Texas. The Tall City Blues Fest, sponsored by the Downtown Midland Management District, is ready for its ninth edition, and they are coming strong. I was born in that room. A voice showcase with Sarah Grace and Nakia. A women in blues showcase with Lori Jane and the 45s, Polly O'Keary and the Rhythm Method, and the Meg Williams Band. Rock and Blues Review with Akeem Kemp, Dirty Red and the Soul Shakers, and the 2019 Best Guitarist at the IBC, Gabe Stillman. There's also a West Texas Invitational Showcase, a Youth Music Showcase, and the Ones and Twos Blues Showcase. And we haven't even talked about Friday night's Zydeco Dance Party with Chubby Carrier and the Bayou Swamp Band. And of course, this Saturday night special showcase. This year featuring Jeremiah Johnson, Mark May, the incomparable Little Ed and the Imperials, and Carrie Hudson and Good Company. As always, there are artist workshops. You can adopt a performer and be involved in the annual art auction. Tall City Blues Fest, July 12th and 13th, 2019. Sponsored by the Downtown Midland Management District. www.tallcitybluesfest.com, where the magic happens. Hey you, this is Dennis Groening, and you're listening to Vinny Bomarini here with Music on the Catch and some musicians that you should know. Dang, 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 Dennis, you're awful loud there tonight. Goodness. My next guest has just released his third, well, maybe his fourth, uh, album. It's entitled Kind of Blues, and uh, I welcome to the couch Mr. Adam Holt. Evening, Adam. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Where were you born and raised? And uh, as a small tot, what kind of music did mom and dad play in your home? Well, I was born in Pensacola, Florida, and raised uh, when my folks split. I was probably seven or eight years old. I was uh, raised in Baldwin County, Alabama, which is basically the southernmost uh, county. We're we're right here on the Gulf of Mexico, um, and I've lived here uh, all my life uh, since then. Uh, as far as music, um, gosh, my mom listened to a lot of stuff in the 80s, uh, anything from Hall & Oates to Fleetwood Mac. Uh, my dad was uh, 10 years older, and he he listened to country stuff. He he listened to Alabama or Charlie Daniels, um, uh, pretty much anything on the country radio, older stuff, Buck Owens and stuff like that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I see where your first instrument was trumpet. Uh, you started playing that in middle school, or was there something prior to the trumpet? You know, there was there an oboe, you know, in first grade or something like that, uh, um, or was the trumpet the first instrument? Uh, I mean, I, I think right around the time of when I started playing the trumpet, um, I may have had a, a an acoustic guitar that I kind of okay. noodled around on. Maybe my parents bought me, but the trumpet was certainly the first instrument I got serious about. And yes, I played that in middle school and high school. Yeah, all the way, all the way into into college. Um, what was it about the trumpet that uh, that that you know was your instrument, made it your instrument? Well, you know, um, when we were in the fifth grade, uh, those that were interested in playing in the band for the following year for sixth grade, um, we went and tried out the different instruments. I actually wanted to play the saxophone, believe it or not. Uh, I just thought it was cool, you know, as a hip instrument or sure. whatever, but. 
um, that they needed. There were too many uh, saxophone players already, and I think they they needed more students to audition and or you know try out on the uh, the trumpet. So uh, that, it kind of stuck with it. So I I stayed there. <laughs> and you obviously you know enjoyed it a lot. So at what point did the guitar come into your world more seriously? Was it not? Was it like you know? Well, did, did sometime when you were still a teenager? I bought my first electric guitar um, in September of 1992, and that was because my birthday was September 1st. I had just turned 14, and I just started high school, and uh, and I bought my first electric at a local music store, and uh, and from that point on, I basically studied the the back of uh, guitar magazines would have the chords and the tablature and stuff like that to learn songs, you know, and and so I kind of taught myself. Uh, and, and already having three years of interest and a little bit of basic uh, music theory from the playing the trumpet in the middle school. And uh, so it was probably right around then when I really took off with it okay. you know, and, and stuck with it. And why, and why, and why, what was it that made you want to pick up the guitar? Um, did you see some girl drooling over some guy in the schoolyard playing the, <laughs> on the acoustic guitar? Or, you know, and then, uh, you know. Well, no, actually, um, uh, when I was about nine years old, I saw a music video. My dad had just got MTV on, on cable TV and I saw a video and I thought, man, I really want to do that. And it was Aerosmith. Dude looks like a lady. And when Joe Perry played that silver sparkle Gretsch electric on that solo, I was just like mesmerized. And I was like, that is cool. You know, I want to do that. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, so you're teaching yourself during high school, but you're still playing trumpet and you're still playing trumpet in the, in the, in the high school band and doing all that. Uh, were you starting now you're 14, you're playing the electric guitar. Did you start to play with your friends in bands at that time also? Uh, it w- I, I would have, uh, some jam sessions in the garage kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, we mm-hmm. never really got anything serious, but it was the right. early beginnings of, of, you know, band stuff, uh, playing, you know, a bass player buddy would come over and we'd jam for a couple of hours or, you know, I'd go jam with some other guys on the guitar at their house or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't yeah. until um, I was a, an adult that I really started doing gigs, you know, and doing a more okay. professional. Okay. Um, were there other things in your life besides music during high school? I mean, were you into sports also or was it, was, was no, music no, no, that was it. <laughs> Just music, yeah. music was your center. Yeah, I didn't, okay. Okay. Yeah, yep. That's right. Yep. Let's listen to a song from uh, Kind of Blues. Uh, tell us about uh, Bourgeoisie. The Bourgeoisie uh, I wrote, um, it's, it's basically, um, you see these folks that, 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 uh, that, you know, they kind of brag about the nice things that they have in life. They might have a, a nice fancy house or a nice fancy car. Um, but, you know, they might have to work 70 hours a week to pay for that. And it's, it's kind of about balancing you know, work and home life. Um, and it's, it's kind of a tongue in cheek song about, uh, about working for the bourgeoisie. You know, it, it goes back to the, uh, the days of the bourgeoisie and the, the proletariat where, uh, company, you know, major corporate America companies like, you know, FedEx or UPS or Lowe's or these places that you work for, you might have to work 60 hours a week, um, to accumulate the kind of income that would allow you to have these nice things in life. So the folks that, that have these things, they might be flaunting it, but the idea is in the song, you know, you're certainly 
owned by them, so to speak, in order to be able to pay for those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, off of uh, Kind of Blues, Adam Holt, the bourgeoisie. on society Now all my friends want to be like me In the lap of a luxury I live a life only they can dream They want to know how I do so well That's a story that I'll never tell It's a secret that I must keep So if the Joneses I can't Got a brand new Escalade. I get to drive it on the holiday and take my family on a big vacation. I'm back to work on the next Monday. I got a house on a busy street, a 2700 square feet. It's where I go if I want to sleep. After I work.
Adam Holt. The album is kind of blues. The bourgeoisie. Um, you at uh, after high school, you went to Troy uh, University and um, you studied there. Uh, talk about your years there. How was music involved uh, during your time at school? At Troy, well, actually, um, I didn't go to um, Troy until uh, I was in my 30s, I, and I actually went to oh. online school. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I, well, so after high school, but, what? But, but, then let's go. Let's go to after high school and how what where you went from there. So after high school, um, I did a couple of semesters at the community college, and I played uh, trumpet and French horn in the uh, band there, Pensacola State College. Okay. Um, but but at that point I I, uh, I dropped out of school because I knew I wanted to play guitar I knew I wanted to make a living playing uh, music and that's what I've done for the last 19 years uh, but I basically uh, which is I ended up playing with a group um, uh, not as a singer but just as a guitar player uh, in a band called uh, Sax Appeal and it's just a local uh, band that, that had a sax player and a conga player and and uh, I was a guitar player and we just played some of the local places, parties and, and mm-hmm. venues and whatnot. I did that for a sure. few months. Um, and uh, let's see, I started getting really deep into the blues. Uh, my father, uh, who's a retired police officer, actually uh, gave me a CD he got one day. And it was, uh, he got it from working at some event where there was a DJ and the DJ handed him the CD and the CD was, hey, you know, I don't, I don't play this kind of music, but take it. My dad gave it to me the next day. And it was Jimmy Vaughn, his debut album, 1994, oh. um, Strange oh, yeah. Pleasure, and that was the first that was the first blues album that I'd ever owned, and 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 I was a young man, I was probably 19 years old, you know, and um, and that kind of turned my world around. And up to that point, I'd been listening to Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and a lot of those uh, rock bands um, when I was in high school, and I loved it, and um, it kind of shaped me as a guitar player. But when when I got the blues CD it was like a whole different world. And, and I started getting into the blues and, uh, you know, listened to Jimmy Vaughn and of course his brother, Stevie Ray Vaughn and, uh, you know, Helen Wolf, Muddy Waters, all those guys. Um, so, so I was basically doing, uh, at that point I started playing, um, music for a living, uh, doing blues music. And I was limited to just the traditional blues, you know, the 12, 12 bar blues, uh, mm-hmm. I found a, a mm-hmm. couple of old, older guys that, uh, Henry Jolly played drums and Paul Williams played bass with me. And we, uh, we started doing a bunch of gigs and, uh, in the mobile Alabama area, Pensacola, Florida area down here on the coast. And, uh, we did that for probably three or four years. Uh, and then, then I kind of branched out and started doing more different genres. I still did blues songs, but I did more, stuff like I would ease into like ZZ Top, you know, which is going to be more of the Texas blues and, you know, classic rock type stuff and uh, kind of blossomed from there uh, as a singer and a guitar player and started writing music. Um, But but as far as Troy University, I actually uh, did that online because I, uh, you know, get older and you get a family and all that. It's kind of hard to go to college, but it was something I wanted to do. So, 
<laughs> well, yeah, I just and I caught that only because you know I saw that on Facebook. You know, it said Troy Troy oh, College, yeah. and you know, and then it had said you played trumpet through college. So I just made the made you know I just took the leap and yeah. said okay, he went you know. But uh, yeah, no, I get it. Um, you know, uh, hell, I've got friends who've done that too. Um, I know that uh, in 2005, yeah, the story, you know, there's not a lot out there. And you, you're, you, I always, I, I laugh and I say, you know, guests like you are the ones that I kind of started this show uh, about, you know, those musicians that you don't know a lot about. So we're going to just sit here and we're going to just talk about you and make you talk about yourself. Right, right. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I know, I know that uh, in 2005, you released This Is Adam Holt. Uh, 10 originals right. and two covers. Um, talk about the music that was on that album. And is that where you're talking about? You're starting to sort of branch out a little and you started to write, you know, 10 originals. You'd obviously been right. been uh, seriously writing at that point. Yeah, that album, um, uh, I had uh, two musicians. Um, and th- these were guys that were my age, um, the older guys that I did blues music with. Uh, I ended up getting a couple of uh, other guys that were my, my buddies. Carl Langley uh, was the drummer, and Derek Jones was the bass player. And we, uh, I, pr- I pretty much wrote all the material, ex- with the exception of the, the two cover songs. And one of those cover songs was Six Strings Down from that Jimmy Vaughn album that I was telling you about, the debut <laughs> album. Right, sure. Um, yep. And uh, and the other one was a, a version of uh, the Beatles, uh, Blackbird. But uh, yeah, I, I had been uh, uh, writing songs for a while, and, and uh, that's where I kind of branched out, and, and uh, I would describe um, that album as kind of uh, blues-based uh, rock, blues-based uh, contemporary kind of pop rock, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. we ended up okay. recording that song at home in my home studio, okay. and put it out. And we we played uh, uh, we played around the, the coast promoting that album. I I just noticed there was a message on my Facebook. Um, Arthur James, who's following you at at the next interview, had typed in um, when um, uh, Peter was on that he listened to Peter's uh, wife, May, uh, on the radio back in the day. And he just he just sent another message saying that he just reordered Jimmy's first album because he only had a tape version of it. Um, so he's oh he's liking these interviews. He's feeling comfortable in these interviews, <laughs> knowing he's coming next. Um, sometimes sometimes it's interesting. I put I put guests together and, and without even realizing if there's this there's this interlink into intertwining between them. But uh, that's funny. Um, I know uh, you did that song. You did that album. I'm sorry. And then and then there's that there's another five years that you can fill us in and tell us what was going on in your world up until about 2010 uh, when you released Sunday Troubadour. Well, um, so I was married at the time to my first wife and uh, uh, in between 2005 and 2010, we ended up getting a divorce. uh, And I, I actually, I, I met, um, a couple of friends of mine from Nashville who I met them around 2008 uh, of all places at a gas station. I had my website in vinyl lettering, www.adamholtmusic.com across my windshield on my car. Mm-hmm. I pulled into a right. gas station and these guys pulled in to pump gas and they're in their truck. And one guy read my, he, he said, are you, are you a musician or a DJ? I said, oh, I'm a musician. And we traded CD. So I gave them a copy of this is Adam Holt. And he gave me a copy of their CD, and I was listening to it on the way down to a gig. And I thought, man, these guys are great. It, it was it was country music, 
you know, pop country stuff. And uh, so uh-huh. we, we ended up uh, ho- hooking up, um, I guess, on email or phone or something like that a, a couple weeks later. And uh, and and the guys uh, lived in Nashville, and I, I drove up to Nashville and uh, hung out with them and, and wrote some songs. And these guys actually um, uh, came down to uh, down here to the coast, and I got them some gigs to play and all that. But we they they came into the studio and recorded and, and co-produced the Sunday Troubadour album with me, which we did in January of 2010. Um, they played on the album. They co-wrote half the album, and they wrote a couple of songs uh, that I didn't write uh, for that album. And um, and so that's where we got from from that point to that point to the next album. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then the, the then then we take a seven year jump, um, and uh, 2017, uh, Jillian, who's your 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 bride now, I presume. Yeah, my, um, yes, my, my my wife now, Jillian. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we, you we and did. she released uh, under un, uh, uh, what was it under uh, under the covers. Under the covers. That's it. I'm sorry. Under the covers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, a collection of your favorite uh, songs that you covered. Uh, my friend Nick Colossal right. likes to call that uncovering a song um, when, you, <laughs> when you when you take it and you make it your own. Um, right. Uh, uh, so uh, that 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 had to be a lot of fun. Uh, you and Julian uh, do perform together out uh, now, don't you? Yes, we do. In fact, um, uh, I actually uh, uh, met her at a dueling piano show in Pensacola, Florida. I played dueling pianos for about three years there. Um, it was right right around the time where um, I start recording the Sunday Troubadour album. Um, I, I started playing, I think, in early 2010, and uh, she was working there, and, and I met her, and she was she was an excellent singer, and um, we we both left playing at the it was a house gig, so I I, I did that for a while where I play like three nights a week, and um, and then we around 2013 or 20 I think it was late 2013 uh, we we left there and we started doing. Uh, duo gigs and I played guitar and I switched back to guitar. I had still been playing guitar the whole time, but, but, um, um, I switched back to just doing primarily, uh, guitar gigs and included her. We did a duo thing and it was acoustic based. And so we were doing gigs, uh, anywhere from Biloxi to, to Destin, Florida. And, uh, and then, and then, you know, I was basically selling my CDs from the stage and she said, Hey, I'd like to do something that we could put together. Because, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you got a duo there and you got a male and a female singing together and somebody says, well, we got anything with her singing on it? So we thought, yeah, we need yeah. to make a CD. So that's what sure. we did. We made a CD of cover songs that we that most folks had liked, you know, here in this play. So we sure. made that and sold those from the stage. Very cool. Well, let's listen to another song from the album. Um, the album is Kind of Blues. We'll see you here with Adam Holt. Uh, tell us about Bobby. Bobby. Uh, Bobby is a song that uh, I wrote uh, about a friend of mine who used to be in the band, and uh, it, we had a falling out. We, he played music with me for 10 years, and uh, one day we just kind of had a falling out, and he didn't want to play music with us anymore. And uh, and so I, I, many, many attempts of me trying to reach out to, to him by email or text or or whatnot, and uh, no responses. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe if I wrote a song about him, 
and he heard it, he would it would get his attention. So, uh, but Bobby is basically uh, about some of the things that this person had dealt with uh, in his life, and it seemed like um, uh, he would be with one one girl, and and then uh, uh, he'd be with another one, and and uh, some of the choices that he made kind of. Uh, was the falling out of, you know, of our friendship. So mm. I decided yeah. to write a song about it. <laughs> Adam Holt. Hey, you know, I mean, that's what songwriters do, don't they? I mean, you know, I, I, well, you gotta I, have something I can't to write do... about. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is Bobby. And, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm grateful because I love the song. Bobby, you've lost your way You've gone from the rock to the cocaine Bobby, you've lost your hair You picked yourself up off the floor And you crawled into a king-size Bobby, you made the wine. 
Hi, this is Mitch Woods, and when I'm cruising in my Rocket 88, I tune into Vinny Bon Marini. Music on the couch, musicians you should know. Adam Holt, the album is Kind of Blues. That was Bobby. Um, Adam is on uh, vocals, acoustic, and electric guitars. Owen, fin- Owen Finley is on bass. Greg DeLuca on drums. Donnie Sundell on organ and piano. Lee Yankee on slide guitar, Mark Welburn on pedal steel, Pierre Robinson on bass. Uh, the, the album was recorded at Studio Number 78, mixed at Dockside, and mastered by Mr. Kevin Nix, and it's on Z- Zenith Records. Um, and yeah, there you go. Um, the album title, Kind of Blues, it's uh, your nod to uh, uh, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. Um, which holds a special place for you. I guess you spent a lot of time listening to that uh, while you were uh, working on some of the equipment that was used to record this album. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's just a cool album, man. That's one of my uh, yeah. favorite jazz albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just chill, you know, and um, uh, as far as the gear used on this album, um, we recorded it on two inch tape uh, on my Antex uh, MM 1116 track. Um, and, uh, I, I've kind of been, I've been a gearhead for several years and I actually, um, I started with the guitar pedals where I would basically modify the pedals, you know, I'd get a soldering pin and, and pull out components and swap them out, you know, started with that, something small, then it grew from there. And so, uh, as far as my studio, I, I, um, uh, a lot of my gear I, I I've built or I've modified my microphones. Uh, I work on my tape machines, you know, if they need to be repaired or whatever. Uh, but, but in the early years of doing that, um, some of my gear, uh, I would, I would, uh, focus on working on that gear while listening to that album because it was just easy to listen to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of reading, you know, how the album was recorded and all the, all the equipment. And I mean, could you have achieved this in a digital environment, do you think, or did, does this album does this does your music need to be recorded like this analog? Well, the previous albums were all recorded digitally. Um, I mean, you have analog gear at the front end, like your microphone to go to an analog high end uh, mic preamp or a compressor mm-hmm. that it would always sure. record digital. Uh, with this album, I always I've always wanted to do uh, an album on analog, you know, and so um, uh, I mean. Technically, it could have been done. It wouldn't have sounded as good. I mean, to me, this is the best sounding album that I've done, you know, um, because we recorded it on tape. And to me, it's it's after, you know, three or four years of, of uh, working with, with tape now, uh, I feel like it's uh, it's just a higher quality recording. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, that's, that's such an argu- argument between the, you know, recording pros. They'll say, oh, digital is better or analog is better, you know, or, you know a mix of, of two is the best or whatever. But I think that sonically capturing your tracks on, on two inch tape sounds best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'll just same as listening to the music on a piece of vinyl is the best. That's right. Um, yeah. So um, your music, I mean, it certainly weaves in and out of the different genres that can compri- comprise your childhood. Um, when you're writing, do you, do you hear the music um, and do you know, that a particular song might cast more toward a countryside or a blues side as you're constructing it, or is that all sort of come together toward the end? How does it work for you? 
Uh, sometimes, yeah. Well, sometimes it comes together at the end. Sometimes um, uh, I might hear it as a country song. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, there's a song on the album uh, called Still Holding On. And I call that that's the most country sounding of the songs on the album. And, and when I wrote it, I certainly wasn't thinking about writing it for this album. I just thought, hey, this is a cool idea. Let me write this down, you know. And it, it came across as a country song. But uh, if you stripped it down to just a guitar, it would certainly be more country than it is. But because we've added, you know, I've added a lot of electric guitar stuff to it, um, especially particularly the guitar solo, you know, uh, that's what kind of gives it more of the rock edge or the blues edge. Um, sure. Yeah. But typically when I write a song, I just – I. I don't think I really write it for any style. I just, I just write it. Cause, and then I, I, you know, I mean, there are several songs that, that I've written over the past uh, two or three years that, um, that didn't make it on the album. Uh, and I thought about maybe working with them, but um, uh, I ended up picking these ones that we have because I just thought that they sounded the best to fit me. You know what I mean? And some of them sure. are more blues. Mm-hmm. Some of them are more, you know, rock and roll, some Americana, you know, Interesting, interesting. Uh, you got a full summer uh, working along the uh, along the coast. Um, what about touring? Do you uh, do you get in the van and uh, go for one, two, three weeks? Um, is that is that something that uh, you know in something you do, or do, I mean, you certainly seem like you have a, a, enough work to stay close to home. Well, I've I've uh, it, it's certainly something that I would like to do. Um, having a, a wife and kids. Uh, makes it a little bit tougher. Um, not that my, and my wife is very supportive, uh, but I, there's plenty of work here uh, on the Gulf Coast. And uh, as far as this summer, uh, the band will be doing. Uh, we play at a private resort every summer, only for the only for like ten weeks out of the summer, where we'll play just Friday nights. Um, but there are other venues in this area uh, that that I play at. And every Wednesday night, I play at. Uh, Lucy Buffett's place in Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores is right right on the Gulf there. That's Jimmy Buffett's sister, Lucy. She's got a, a like a giant 500 seat restaurant, and mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a it's a tourist spot. It's a great restaurant, great family environment. But I play there every Wednesday, and and, and in a sense, we've got uh, you know folks coming down from the southeast. You know, the nine or ten or twelve states of the southeast, they'll travel down, and in a way, they're they're kind of like you know. I don't have to travel to them. I've had people that, that, that true. will come down from various places. They're like, hey, we saw you last year. You know what I mean? Or they'll, they'll come mm-hmm. in and they'll mm-hmm. buy a CD, you know. So um, there's definitely plenty of work. But, I mean, yeah. if an opportunity presented itself, I'll take the gig, you know, out of town. So. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually looking. Um, I noticed that you've got the Wednesday gigs because I'm going to be uh, actually probably traveling through that area Probably, um, probably it'll be a Tuesday. It'll probably be Tuesday night. I'll be coming through Gulf Shore. Um, I've got some friends that were, that are probably in the area that I'm going to probably stop with for the night on my way to Florida. Um, so I looked. I went, hmm, Gulf Shores. He plays around. Let me just see. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's a Tuesday night. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, who knows? I'll keep watching your schedule. Maybe something will pop up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. His name is Adam Holt. Uh, the new album is entitled Kind of Blues. Um, talk about what the next mountain is for you, Adam. Is there a mountain out there that you're looking to climb and conquer? Um, well, I mean, 
I'm always trying to um, better myself. I'm always trying to advance my music career. And like I said, I, I've made a, I've made a living at this um, for for 19 years. I'm, I'm very happy to, and fortunate to to do this because there are a lot of uh, musicians that are pretty talented musicians, but they all you know they have day jobs and whatnot. They only might work you know on the weekends or whatever. But I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'd like the next mountain I'd like to climb is is uh, if I could pick up an agent, a booking agent, or management or something like that, because I've basically been doing this on my own as an independent. But I feel like I'm kind of maxed out where I'm at, and I'm trying to get to the, you know, start climbing up the mountain. Um, sure. So I've got I've got some opportunities coming up, um, opening for. Um, uh, some pretty good talent coming up in September. Uh, we we can't advertise it until I think August, but uh, and then there's some other okay. opportunities where I might might get a chance to do a PBS series, uh, oh, nice. one, an episode for a PBS series, it's, things like that. You know, where I can get the band together and we go and and do it. Um, so uh, that's basically my next step in the next few months, and uh, see where it goes from there. Excellent, excellent, very cool. Um... Let's play one more last song from uh, from from the album. Uh, talk about the story must go on, please. <clears throat> the story must go on. Uh, that song I wrote. Uh, you know, I'm from Alabama, and mm-hmm. we've had some uh, we've had history here uh, with the civil rights. And so I wrote the song uh, about uh, the events that had happened, and I wasn't very overt about it. I wanted to kind of hide it in the message. Um, and so the story must go on. It talks about uh, what happened in in Selma, Alabama, with uh, uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and what happened with Rosa mm-hmm. Parks and Montgomery uh, being arrested for you know not giving up her seat. Uh, and then uh, it talks about the uh, 16th Street Baptist Church bombings, where you know four little girls lost their lives. Um, yeah. And it's basically the story must go on, meaning that these events happened and we learned from them, but we're still moving forward. We still have a lot of progress to make and not just in Alabama, but you know, nationwide. Um, Absolutely. And that's what the, that's what the song is about. Just a, it's a reminder, you know? Yeah. Adam Holt, he's a musician that you should know. Uh, check out more, including his, uh, his tour dates where he's playing. And uh, you can also check out his swag and, uh, and, and albums uh, at adamholtmusic.com. Go check it out. And uh, definitely make sure that kind of blues is in your collection because it's absolutely an album that should be. Uh, Adam, I truly appreciate you taking time. Uh, much luck to you. And uh, maybe, maybe I'll see you somewhere along the Gulf Coast at some point. Absolutely. Just messages me. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Adam Holt, Kind of Blues, and this is The Story Must Go On.
must go on Adam Holt from the album kind of blues I'm like just moved big Al and the heavyweights sliding out of the swamps of Louisiana with their blend of American roots music folk blues jazz Zydeco and country their seventh album world full of blue world full of trouble is creating a stir with the electric eclectic blend of sounds familiar to all of the fans of big Al and the heavyweights on the road for over 200 shows a year, these guys dare you to stay in your seat when they hit their gumbo groove. John Mitchell of Blues Blast Magazine calls World Full of Trouble a keeper, and Richard Lodimer of Making a Scene says, if you like your blues infused with jambalaya, this Louisiana Rue by Big Al and the Heavyweights is the album for you. Big Al and the Heavyweights, check out their touring schedule, buy their music and swag, and much more at BigAl.net. That's BigAl.net. Big Allen, the heavyweights, World for Trouble. Is it in your library yet? Hmm? Hey, everybody, this is Shrimp City Slim inviting you to check out my friend Vinnie Bonmarini and Music on the Couch. It's a fine, fine show where you'll discover musicians 
you should know. My next guest returns to the couch with a new album entitled, Hey, I'm Still Here, which is always a cool thing. Uh, and uh, finding blues where you might not have thought there is blues to find. And that's always a talent. Arthur James is going to join me. But first, if you're going to jump right in the songs that you never thought could be blues, I guess this is the one to begin with. I Melt With You. Getting better all the time. 
only getting better all the time. There's nothing you or I won't do. I'll stop the world and I'll melt with you. Stop the world. 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 Hey, I'm still here. Arthur James, and I melt with you. Good evening, sir, and welcome, and thanks for returning and bringing the new music. Yes, excellent choice. That seems to be uh, everybody's favorite song on the album so far. I always ask anyone that buys it, um, you know, send me, talk to me on FaceSpace or on my um, website and let me know what your favorite song is. And so far, that one and Angel from Montgomery, which are two kind of out-of-the-box uh, traditional 145 blues, are the are the favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, the album follows up uh, Me, Myself, and I. Um, only this time you add a little bass guitar and um, uh, there's more than one of you on a couple of songs, which is always a little Yeah, a little double track and uh. stuff here and there and some percussion <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Still try yeah. to do it with talk a lot of full drums. So. Yeah. Talk about, the, talk about the process leading up to going into the studio and then, you know, once you started recording, how, how long did it all take you? Um, this one took a while because there's 18 songs on this damn thing. Um, the whole intent of this album, there there are three original songs on there, which are the instrumentals, which kind of break the album up into, into like different sections. So mm-hmm. it's a quasi, I guess, concept album, but it's a concept of the fan favorites going from traditional to super non-traditional to back into traditional to end the album. So the last two years for me has been very painful playing guitar. Really, the last three years, I've had a lot of tendon issues in my left arm kind of resolved some of the tendon issues that I've had surgeries and multiple steroid shots, including getting a, another steroid shot in the back of my neck today. Um, I have numbness and tingling in all my fingertips on the left hand. And then I had trigger did finger we, issues, which I had an operation in January. Did we so talk about this when you were on last time? time? Well, we may have talked about the tendon issues because last time, last time I competed at the IBCs, when I competed in my state to win it, I was in the throes of an excruciating, painful tendon issue where I could barely even open a door. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. I grew the, the short straw, which always happens. I always get the shot on spot anywhere where I play or compete. So I was the first one <laughs> up, and I just popped my ibuprofen. I'm like, please, ibuprofen, just kick in somewhere during the set. And they really didn't. I kind of rushed through a lot of the songs, but I was still able to pull off a victory and go down. And then I, I continued with you know, therapies and stuff, physical therapies and all that stuff. So I could compete down at the IBCs and I still, I made the semifinals, which that yeah. was the first year, both myself as a solo and the band that represented our state, Aaron Harp and the Delta Swingers made the semifinals both. It was the first time both our, our categories made it to the semis. And that's how yeah. I had wanted to go out at least if I can't compete again to at least go out with, you know, a decent showing and be there a day extra to sell your CDs and stuff and, and meet people. So well, no one's saying you can't compete so, again right now. Well, I'm still trying to figure out what I can do on that. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are competing like five or six times. 
but I'm hearing through the grapevine, and I, we've talked to Joe Whitmer, but the wrong information was given to him from my Blue Society where they had me competing just three times, once as a band, which was the first time I competed, and then twice as a solo, which is not true. It's I've competed three times as a solo. So this year, you know, I'm not competing or anything, but I'm trying to get my CD in there, and I believe I can at least enter my CD. Yeah, so I'm still gonna, waiting uh, from everything I know. Yeah, from everything I know, you can enter the CD. You cannot be there three years in a row. Yeah, you cannot be in the challenge three years in a row. That is the. Oh yeah, I've always is, sat out years in between all the the times that I've done it. Well then, 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 then you then you have no problem coming back. It's not you know you 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 should not have a problem coming back because it's 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 in a row that you can't chat, compete from everything I understood. Now I might be yeah, and I know some people wrong. have done the carpetbagger thing where they've competed in other states and won. I mean, I know some people have competed like five, six, seven times down there. Oh well, yeah, I know, so, I know people. Yeah, well, they well as long as they're members of the Blue Society, you know, it's not you know that's not an issue. But uh, right. yeah, we can discuss we can we can discuss rules and regulations later. Uh, right now, <laughs> let's listen to now. Right now, let's listen to a, a song that's always been one of my favorites, going back to God, when Nitty Gritty Dirt Band did it back in the early seventies. Ah, um, uh, yes, you know. Yes, will the circle. And this is one I, I get a lot of comments on too because I do it as a minor blues. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Arthur James. Uh, check this one out, folks. I was standing.
Arthur James, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? From, hey, I'm still here. Um, yeah, you mentioned the three instrumentals that break up the album. Um, why, why, why three instrumentals as the originals? Why not something with um, uh, lyrics? Or was it because you wanted them to be uh, the inter- intermission? Sort of yeah, thing. that's exactly it. Uh, some okay. of these songs have been recorded on other albums. Sometimes as a band thing, like Roland, I have done with a band before. Um, Susan's song, I had recorded mm-hmm. that on uh, the Bigger Than Jesus CD, which was like a novelty-type CD I did of um, all instrumentals. And then In My Room is basically a song I play every time my wife is getting ready. Uh, you know, we're going out to, to do whatever. I just sit in my room on my bed and, and play a guitar, and that's usually what came up to me so that's how i wrote that song and that's my wonderful tonight without words <laughs> you know eric clapton was waiting for parody to get dressed to go out to a party some night and yeah he was getting frustrated it was taking her too long so he wrote a song that made him a bazillion dollars so far my song has made me you know not quite a million dollars but it, it has been played buck around three eighty yeah yeah um yeah and, and funny <laughs> i had funny i had i had in my room scheduled to play it a little bit later on but since you just talked about it
from, hey, I'm still here, Arthur James, and that is his uh, wonderful tonight, uh, entitled In My Room. <laughs> A very peaceful <Yeah>. song. <laughs> this is Hallie DeVestern of the Hallie DeVestern Band from New York, New York. Hey, Vinnie Marini, tell me about it. Music on the couch, musicians, you should know. Vinnie Marini, you sound like a good boy from Brooklyn because you got that good Brooklyn name, Vinnie Marini. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so, so you sitting in in, in your home studio, um, talk about talk about how this all was put together. Um, basically, because of the hand situation for the last couple of years, I wanted to get this album done because people, the fans. They come out to see me all the time, and they've been asking me, well, you, you know, you got Angel from Montgomery on an album yet? Uh, which I did. I had it on a, an album doing a acoustic duo version of it with the same bass player that's on this album, Barson. Um, some of the other songs but were on, like, band albums and stuff like that. So, again, I still wanted I wanted to progress from the last album, which was literally like the album said, me, myself, and I. It was just me doing mm-hmm. solo acoustic guitar, and there was only two songs that had, like, an overdub lead. Uh, to go with that. That's what I wanted that album to sound like. This album, Ham Still Here, it's what that title is from is it's a clean up version of Papillon's Last Lines. One Papillon's one of my all time favorite movies. And the mm. real line is, Hey you bastards, I'm still here. That's right, yep, yep. So it's a kinda in your face thing to people that, you know, tend to overlook me for certain festivals, blues clubs, whatever. Um benefits that go on. I literally sometimes live like right down the road from where they're doing a benefit and I never get a call. I'm like, well, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, I'm not hiding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. you have the yeah. interweb? Yeah. The interweb will yeah. tell you that I have a website and I have a face space page and all that crap. So, you know, I, I take a jokeful umbrage with it sometimes. So that's me just going, yep. Okay. You know, there's a reason why I have a rubber chicken in my pocket and a rubber chicken on top of my speaker every night that I play. To rem- yeah. remind myself to keep a sense of humor about everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what the title was all about. And then I just knew I started the whole recording process back in September, and I was still going through the shots for the fingers, having trigger finger issues, um, hand pain. The numbness and tingling has been going on for a while. So there's a twofold type thing. I actually have arthritis in my neck, which is clamping down on my nerves, and that's what's causing the numbness and tingling. So that's what I dealt with today. And back in January, I had to deal with the, the trigger finger issues because my fingers were getting caught, which is very yeah. tough if you're yeah. trying to play guitar with your fretting hand. The main culprit was the pinky, which I don't use that often. But my index finger, for the last three or four years, it won't close all the way. So in the morning, I can't even get my hand into a fist. I mm-hmm. literally have to force it into a fist. So the shot that I got today actually helps with that a little bit. Physical therapy, you know, I know all the exercises and stuff. I do all that stuff at home now. So when I started recording this album, I was still bouncing back and forth between a couple of different modalities to get this album done. And I was fully expecting, because I've been very fearful of, of going in and getting an operation. You know, that's why I always want to do the shots and the over-the-counter, or not over-the-counter, but the, the oral steroids. Right. To just take the pain away and make the hand malleable so that I can get through gigs for, you know, weeks on end. So when I started the process, I was still dealing with all that crap, and there were times where I could do like six or seven songs at a whack. And like we did, um, uh, what was it? Yeah, if I was a carpenter, I, I did it, and it was okay. 
but the hand was literally freezing up. That was the last song that we did that day. It was like the seventh song. So I went back the next time I record. I'm like, dude, we got to redo that because it's just, it's just not right. I, mean, I could feel my fingers not closing around the strings. So we, we just picked and choose, and, and I kind of had everything all laid out. Anytime I go into a studio, I pre-plan everything. I, I know what I want to do. I have the vision of the album. I have the vision of the you know title of the album, what it's going to look like, what the artwork is pretty much going to be, and what instrumentation I want to do on the various songs. So that saves a lot of time and a lot of money. So I just went in there and started working at it from like September through most of November. Yep. got everything in okay. hand. And then when I went in for the surgery, I'm like, well, I'm going to be out of work for a couple of weeks. So I'll come up and that's when we'll do the mixing and the mastering. And that's what we did in the wintertime. And then I eased myself back into playing guitar. Then the schedule got really hectic again. And then my fingers stopped working again. So I had to get another shot. Everything was like a stopgap measure to get to, you know, oh, I got five gigs this week, four gigs. What am I going to do? Okay, I need drugs. So go get some steroids, do that, get through it, see how long that lasts. So now I'm back to playing. The summer's getting pretty hectic again, and I'm pushing the album. So I'm glad I got it done. This one cost me a lot of money because I got all the royalty things that I have to pay out. And uh, <laughs> like I said, there's 18 songs on here. Um, 14 of which I had to pay for The Circle Will I Be Unbroken That's a public domain song So I, I got off scot-free on that one But it's been a process <laughs> Uh-oh, are we still here? Arthur, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my, I think I got bounced, um, so I just call. I don't know for some reason I'm not my my mic's not picking up anything, so I just called it on my phone. Sorry. So um, so anyway, um, I'm not. I got uh, you know. I'm sure you were you were just brilliant. Um, okay, now I know that I'm on the air. Um, <laughs> let's just go. Let's let's just. Uh, talk, talk, talk about talk about Maggie's Farm. Did you like like learn this when you were like five years old? Is this a song like you've been playing your whole life? Because you just bring this like nobody's business. Which song was that? Maggie's Farm. Oh, Maggie's Farm. Yeah, that one's yeah. It's been recorded. Uh, that was another one that was recorded um, uh, on a live radio broadcast for. Um, I, I've done a lot of live broadcasts at uh, UMass Lowell. So mm-hmm. with John Gregan's Blues Deluxe Show. So that was on an album before. But again, that was another one that I originally started playing acoustically. And then when Barson and myself had a band years ago called Acoustic Mayhem, which was just the two of us, it was kind of like a hot tuna type thing. He's a big Jack Cassidy fan. I'm a big Yorma Kalkinen fan. Um, I introduced that to him, and it just it clicked. What he was playing and I was playing, it was just perfect. And it's it's always been one of my favorite songs. And again, it's another fan favorite song. People are like, I've never heard that song played that way before. I'm like, well, that's anything I try to do. I I try to keep the original intent of the song. Sometimes I'll change a key, not usually too much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I try to add, do my own thing with it without messing up the singer-songwriter intent of this song. I don't want to mess with what they were trying to portray and the angst, certainly, and the, the sarcasm that Dylan brings out. I'm a, a funny, sure. sarcastic person myself, so this song just 
it really works for me. Arthur James from Hey, I'm Still Here, Maggie's Farm.
out to James from, hey, I'm still here. And, uh, hey, I'm still here. And I just found, and I'm on the phone now because, uh, I don't know, somehow it got kind of screwed up. And, I don't know, during my next song, I'll try to break the connection and recall in and see what happens there. But uh, we're, we're good right now. So what's going on? What's, what, what's next for you? Yeah, what's, what, what's, what's going on? What's next for you? What's that next mountain you're looking to climb besides having hands that work? Well, that's the biggest thing right now. Um, you know, I, I still do some drumming gigs too. So, I mean, that's my backup plan if my hands really decide to not want to play guitar <laughs> for a while. Uh, I've had uh-huh. offers to sing for other people, and that doesn't really cream my Twinkie. I, I kind of like to have something in front of me that I'm playing, whether it's a drum or guitar or whatever. That feels more natural to me than than being the next Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have much like that, I guess. <laughs> so I could do that as a real, real fall behind backup plan, but I don't know. I don't really want to do that. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep looking ahead and hopefully not end up with having to do a surgery on my, my neck where they would fuse my vertebrae, where I'd be down for, you know, six to eight weeks. Uh, sure. I really want yeah, to yeah, miss yeah. that much time. Well, I know I've, I've, I've experienced problems with my fingers i'm not a guitar player i don't have to worry about it but you know i've had uh, a faux trigger finger but every once in a while it'll lock up on me i get steroid shots uh, uh in my right hand quite often um, yeah right between my thumb and my my pointer finger hurts like a mother um and then they put one in my yeah, knee so I you know my, all, it all works out like that you know yeah, then i i I I take a chance at doing a surgery, but for right now I'm still in my early 50s. Sure. And I want to just mm-hmm. keep plugging away and doing whatever stopgap measures I got to do to to get through to just get to the next gig. And you know, I mean, I, I tour, I tour, I tour New England. I'll go anywhere where the people have me, and I, I'd love to do like more touring, touring, and get beyond the Mississippi River. I've I've gone as far out to do festivals um, at the Fishers. Thing just above Indianapolis, you know, mm-hmm. I've gone to the Abbey down in Memphis a bunch of times, New Jersey, uh, gigs in New York, but mostly it's up here in New England, so it's very easy for me to do a run of anywhere from five to seven gigs and play three or four states in as many days. Sure. And still yep, yep. usually sleep in my bed, or I've, I've got a jump point where my dad lives in western Massachusetts, so anytime I'm going to do festivals or go to the Abbey or whatever, that saves me three hours of road trip. So mm-hmm. that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, I know, yep, I know your absolutely. buddy Taz crew. I'm actually wearing Taz's T-shirt that he gave me. He just played up here in my neck of the woods. I've seen him a couple times up here in uh, New Hampshire over the last couple months. Um, yeah. So I'm wearing his shirt, and, that, you know, we talk about that's the cool. road and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he's out there doing it. And he's, I see he's going back out to the Slippery Noodle and, and all that stuff here soon. So, um you know, I'd, I'd like to do something week, yeah. like that where you go out for a couple mm-hmm. weeks at a, a time. And then my lifestyle where I still have a day job that's only like 10 hours a week, you know, I caretake in the state. That's part of my problems, too, is years of working on golf courses, landscape companies, being a caretaker. That's, you know, 30 years or so of that coupled with playing guitar and drums constantly. And when I was younger, I, I used to ride a bicycle a lot. I actually rode a bicycle across mm-hmm. the country. When I was 22, so wow. all that stuff is 
bad for your arms and your tendons yeah. and your nerves and all that. So sure. I did this to myself. I can't blame anybody. I don't want to be a victim, but I want to keep doing what the hell I like to do, mm-hmm. which is play blues. And that's what this whole album was trying to get me to get this finished. This is like my Warren Zevon, you know, I'm dying moment where I'm not dying, but I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do what I love to do. You know, I may have to downgrade well, to just being yeah. a drummer, and who knows, maybe right. just a singer. Band somewhere down well, the line. I hope that that's not. We hope that that's not the case because I'll probably have to go into therapy if that happens. Point of view. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, the website is authorjames.org. Uh, there is a spot there if you want to help. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of costs associated with everything authors talked about. There is a, a spot there where you can help and donate um, to, to to help cover some of the medical costs that uh, uh, he he's been incurring um, and trying to get uh, you know to feel better so he can make music for y'all. So uh, uh, check it out, authorjames.org, uh, and the, uh, right, I'm a the new album is uh, and, and the new album is. Uh, hey, I'm still here, so make sure you pick that up. Put a couple of shekels in his pocket. Um, you mentioned you, you know this next this last song that we'll play. Um, uh, well, this has got multiple authors on it, um, uh, and you, you've played this, you've recorded this before, "Rock Me, Baby." Um, yeah, but this is, a, this is a fun version. fun version. This is a fun version. That w- it was one that came out I- kind of by accident too. Oh, cool, cool. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, and you know, good luck and feel better, and uh, keep 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 healing. And um, you know, let me know if there's something I can I can help you with down the road. All righty, man. Thank you. Arthur Thanks James, you remember Arthur? Yep, ArthurJames.org. Hey, I'm still here. Rock me, baby.
Baby, Arthur James from Hey, I'm Still Here. Bridget Kelly Band out of Florida bringing their hot rock and blues. You know, they're semi finalists in the 2015 2016 International Blues Challenge. Uh, Tim and Bridget, they're just an incredible pair, and along with uh, their drummer Tim and uh, and wow, um, Mark. On, on drums, uh, they're on the road, and they're going to start playing. They're uh, starting next Sunday, Daniel Day Gallery in Birmingham, Alabama. On Monday, they're at Blue Monday in Springfield, Illinois. On Tuesday, Buddy Guys Legends in Chicago, Illinois. And then Saturday, Thirsty Otter in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. Check out BridgetKellyBand.com for the entire schedule, and you'll find out exactly where they're playing. Bridget Kelly Band, inspired by a classic and electric blues. BridgetKellyBand.com. Next Monday, June 17th, 2019, I welcome onto the couch uh, my lineup from the canceled show of May 13th uh, when uh, the whole world went to hell and I ended up moving to San Antonio. Um, that's Pack Rat Smokehouse and Lee Pons, uh, two couch kids bringing their new music uh, to the show. And then two new guests. Uh, Coming on to the show, um, uh, Josh Hyde uh, and uh, the duo Tony and Joe. Uh, so it should be a fun night of great music and conversation. That's Monday, June 17, 2019 at 9 p.m. Central. And remember, as of July 29th, the show starts an hour earlier. Music on the Couch goes to Eastern Time. So we'll start at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Hi, this is Mr. Sip, the Mississippi Blues Child, 2014 IBC winner. And it's always a pleasure sitting on the couch chilling with my friend, Vinnie Marie. Knock a hole in it. 
I always save the best for last, my mama told me. Or was it hide the bad apples near the back of the shelf? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Couch Kid New Music, uh, Reverend Freak Child, and Road Dog the Dharma. Uh, this is uh, the song uh, all across America. And uh, no, actually, I'm not going to play that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we'll just bring him in right now uh, uh, for the fifth time, for his fifth time on the show. See, I don't think he knows. He's been on my show five times now. Five oh, times. Always a pleasure to have you back on the couch, Rev. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I didn't realize it was five times. Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure every time, man. It's great. Thanks for having absolutely, me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the whole album is a great album, and, I, and you know, I've been, I've, been, I've been giving you a lot of crap for it, but, uh, you know, let's just attack, <laughs> attack the shadow in the room. The concept of this brand-new album revolves around, you know, the fact that the, the Rev is on the road and he's doing interviews with DJs across mm-hmm. the country. And you know, right. you know, you know, lay your hands on the radio. Hallelujah! Um, talk That's about right. how you and put I, this whole concept together. Well, first, let me say that we're going to get this interview, I think, on Volume Two. I just want to let you know, <laughs> you know, we're going to put that on the Volume Two here. We only, I mean, geez, there's only enough space on a disc, and I do a lot of these interviews, but I love to do it. You know, I love to talk with people like yourselves, you know, about okay. life and love and the blues, you know, and um, so. You know, actually, it was a sort of a tender project. You know, I had all these, you know, discs and people send me links to these things over the years. And I had a bunch of road songs that I I had been putting together. So I thought, oh, wait, maybe I'll do some, grab some covers of some, you know, on the road songs. You know, like we had a cover of uh, Call Me a Breeze, you know, kind of those kind of songs, you know. And uh, Town Van Stance, you know, uh, Old Freight, White Freight Liner, tunes like that. And then I had written about a bunch of tunes about uh, Travel on the Road. And um, I thought, well, maybe we'll put some of these interviews while I'm on the road, you know. And then it was just kind of weird, you know, right about that time. Um, you know, some people might be aware of this dude. Uh, uh, I call him Radio Joe, Radio Joe Estrada. He said, man, you know, I went to my doctor and he said, I got a, uh, you know, I got a year to live. I got esophageal cancer. And I thought, shit, man, that's, uh, excuse my language, but that's, uh you know, that's the ultimate journey we got to make, you know, like Pine Top Perkins, you know, the old piano player for Muddy Water said, you know, that's a debt yeah. we all got to pay. That's a journey we all got to make. So, you know, um, yeah. I just, uh, I was going to, you know, we were working together. He's sort of like my default manager, uh, booking agent, radio guy, you know, just a friend. And um, so I dedicated the album to him and it was all these interviews that he had set up, you know, so I was like, hey, all right, you know, we'll do that. And, it was kind of a bittersweet thing, but um, and then I wrote that Latin, the last tune on there. The finish line is actually for, uh, a tune for him, for about you know the ultimate journey that we all take. But you know, I think that the blues like always embraces that. You know, it's like it's aware of the suffering. It's aware of like, hey man, things are tough here. And then you know, the gospel blues or holy blues is like, well, you know, maybe when we shuffle off this mortal coil, you know, we make that final journey. You know, well, that'll be the ultimate. You know. Uh, Relieving of our blues and our suffering, so I don't know. You know, we're working with those yeah. ideas. Nothing really sad, sure. but you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, you yeah. brought you did you didn't put me on this one, but you did put my buddy Blues Hound on this. Good afternoon, one. folks. Welcome yeah. to Hound the Blues. The time is now twenty five minutes after the hour. We have a very very special guest here in the studio. Join us coming through town, uh, Reverend Freak Child. Uh, now, Red, you got a you got some family here in town, don't you? I do. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's you're, great you're to more, be here. You're more than welcome. Hey, yeah, uh, got a bunch of family here, Houston and Dallas, and. Uh, I was telling you as I came in, I just came from Good Company Barbecue, you know. Or I'm going to go there tonight, and uh, it's, it's you got uh, a serious Jones for this Good Company Barbecue, <laughs> don't you? 
Well, it's great. I mean, like I was saying, it reminds me of the family. So we're going to have some tonight with some family, and, and I have to give a shout-out to my aunt. She, I'm staying at her house. Thank you for letting me crash. I think she's listening to Aunt Paula, so thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, i got a lot of family here. And uh, Thanks for letting the boys stay in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, passing through, and it's just a lot of memories. And, and uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I came here as a kid, I grew up in Hawaii. So we'd fly back uh, overnight flights to Dallas and then a little puddle jumper over to Houston, and I just always associated Houston with getting presents and, you know, family. Like, it was awesome. You know, like, oh, Houston, that's the best place. Like, as a kid, I get... Going out on the highway Listen to them big trucks whine Going out on the highway Listen to them big trucks whine
Child talking to the Blues Hounds in Houston, Texas, and then a little uh, Townsend Zan White Frank Liner and the Beatles tomorrow never knows uh, from yeah. the brand new album uh, from the Rev. So I mean, how did how did it go? You know, I mean, was it was it difficult going through all these interviews and figuring out who to put on the album? You know, and then figuring out who to kick to the curb. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, it was like the kind of thing where. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. That's the last one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good because it's like the kind of thing. What most of it was, you know, and I don't have like a CD of our past uh, interviews, and there's links to them, but um, it was like I had all these CDs that I had just been collecting over the years. You know, people were like, oh, you know, uh, hey, here's a recording of the interview. I'll be like, okay, cool, man. I just put it in my okay, gig bag, yeah, you know, yeah, and then yeah. it'd be floating around. And half of them were like so damaged I couldn't use them. And then half of them weren't labeled, so I was like, "What? The, when is this from? And what is this? I don't even know, man." And so I, it was a lot of listening. I, you know, I was trying to get healthy over the winter here, so I was going to the gym and swimming like every other day. And as I it was a little bit of a drive to this gym that's on the edge of town in Colorado where I'm living, so I just, oh wait, maybe I'll put this in, and I would like mark some times. And I got together with an editor and finally grabbed some stuff. But at, at at some point, it was just sort of like, oh, wow, I've got a lot of these. And then, like, I stopped searching for more of them, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. it was like, oh, my God, I got too many now. And actually, I had to go back, and I wanted to represent the women. You know, there's not many women DJs, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a fair amount. But um, I hadn't gotten any, you know. Cause one I of them is like, listening got... to you right now. Be nice. Good, good. No, this is what I'm saying. I wanted to represent. Cool you know, I was like, cool I, I had, like, 12 – interviews and i was like wow i don't even have a woman in here so i had to go back and i got a couple of good ones um margo from colorado sound and um Mm -hmm. anessa from up in the northwest so i was just like i had to go back and grab stuff off the internet you know it's just like you know i I actually um i do a little djing myself on kjnu in uh, boulder and the woman that tutored me on the blues legacy there she was like you got to play more chicks on your you know i was like playing all the kings and and doing all yeah, the you know sure, like sure. real bro stuff and then it was like yeah what about bonnie raid or like big mom and thornton it was like yeah i love all those people i just you know i don't know you know i pull out the guitar swingers and the harmonica players you know and then of course there's wonderful uh female singers and great djs too so you know it was like little stuff like that and then before i knew it, it was like i had tunes and then stuff and i was like all right we'll put it together and it was like about uh, uh, it was a little, actually a little bit over a CD, and uh, I got this guy uh, Scott Hall at Master Disc, and he's like, "Man, we're gonna have to like cut some of these things." I was like, "Well, working magic, man." So if you can catch on some of the interviews, is like fading out really quick. You know, we had to cut some things yeah. just to make it sure work yeah, in there. Absolutely. But it, it worked out. You know, this is what I've been doing. You know, uh, for the last four or five years, started just you know trekking around on the uh, in the summers because I've been I went back to school and making the most of my midlife crisis. Went back and. Trying to legitimize the rev, I'm actually uh, working on a master of divinity. So, uh, you know, did an internship at a rehab and 
um, you know, taking all kinds of classes on philosophy and religion. And, you know, it's, uh, hey, why not, right? You know, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Crisis, you know, so. I think this song probably, you know, leads lead the charge in terms of the whole theme of the album. Uh, mm. Reverend Freakchild uh, from the Dog Dharma. Dial it in. Yeah. But if you want to hear musicians you should know, then tune in to Music on the Couch with Vinnie Marini. This is Reverend Freakchild from Planet Earth. Ah. <laughs> if all that heavy-duty stuff is, is getting to you, I'm telling you, just lay your hands on the radio. 
If you got any arthritis or rheumatisms or cancers, just lay your hands on the radio and feel the vibe here, people. Okay? God help us. Just lay your hands on the radio, Reverend Big Everything's going to be all right, people. Yeah, and you know, that's some good feminine energy. Some we call it in uh, the Tibetan Buddhist studies the Dakini wisdom, the w- wisdom of the feminine energy. That was my girlfriend mm-hmm. saying, "God help us." There, it was like a little mix of <laughs> a couple different things. And uh, Hazel Miller, who's a real, uh, uh, you know, she's a legend in the front range where I'm living now. Um, yep. And actually, my girlfriend made friends with her, and before I knew it, Hazel's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna sing on your album." I was like, "Okay, great." So she got to just be featured on that dial it in track and she's just amazing i just love listening to her sing so anyway yeah yeah there's More. not a, there's not a lot of uh album credit on the album so uh give us a little love give us a little love to everybody that's on the album yeah um there's a, i mean there's there's stuff pulled from all kinds of different uh sort of right sessions, sessions and whatnot. so yeah 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 i put it on the website so you know if people are really interested they can check that out and it's all documented there you know uh session and uh, players and everything. But, you know, we got uh, Chris Parker playing on most of the uh, drum tracks who, you know, he's played with Bob Dylan and Joe Cocker and uh, Paul Butterfield Blues Band. And we actually just did a gig last night at the Cutting Room in New York City. It was really great. Uh, It was a really a vinyl release. Yeah, uh, we had uh, the Dial It In. You know, it was an album for, not to get too technical, but for for some of your listeners, you know, we recorded on the two-inch, like an old analog project, and we mixed it down to one-inch tape. And then we sent it off to Scott Hall to master it, and we got kind of uh, delayed with the art and everything. So last summer, we just put out uh, uh, digital copies of it. And then this summer, I'm running around town, and I'd love to get you a vinyl, man, if you're, if you're a vinyl collector, Vinny. Um, I am. And we did, I am. Yeah, insert art, and it's like liner notes and everything. I mean, it's just a beautiful uh, 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 package. And so we did a, a vinyl release show at the cutting room last night. And this is a beautiful place right there in, in uh, yeah. Midtown Manhattan. And uh, Hugh Poole played guitar. We started to do like a North uh, Mississippi Hill Country kind of thing. Like it was two guitars and a drum. And my sister sat in. And we had uh, my Native American friend from upstate New York do a whole invocation. You know, because that's like, you know, the whole Lenape, you know, uh, Native American island. You know, the, the whole thing, the, the story about trading with the Indians. You know, they traded some beads mm-hmm. for the whole island or whatever. So it was a really great, uh, yeah, great uh, evening, man. We released the vinyl, we sold a bunch of copies, and and uh, gave some away. It was just really a nice. I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of a move, and I'll I'll be I'll be relocated uh, in July when I send you the email tonight uh, or tomorrow. Please, you know the information on the show. I'll give you my new address and give you a date when you can send it so that. so that it gets to me, yeah, I definitely will. Because when that once I get there, I'm gonna have a place to set my vinyl back up and get my stuff back up. So Excellent. I'm all good. I'm all good. Um, well, it's, you know, a, it's you know, great. It's oh yeah, sorry, yeah. No, no, you go, go, please. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's a great piece of vinyl. I was actually playing it one of the test printings, and my girlfriend was in the other room. She's like, "Wow, that sounded live." I mean, it's just amazing. The you know, I love the vinyl resurgence. You know, and not to take anything away from other people's projects. You know, they're recording digitally and then printing a vinyl and i'm like well i don't know you know but this one was like oh my god it's a total analog project so it's really really super warm and live but i will i want to put i i actually want to put a sticker on the thing that says you know uh you know not only explicit warning sticker of lyrics but it's more like a warning that the insert art may induce a, a acid flashback if you've done lsd because it was amazing <laughs> you know it's just, i'm kind of joking but it, it's a psychedelic like poster in there 
the, I was really honored. Um, yeah, Chris did the outside cover, which is like the, 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 the same cover as the CD, like the skull mm-hmm. still life kind of thing. But then there's this other artist I was hanging out. You know, I'm kind of – they don't call me the freak child for nothing. I'm hanging out at the, uh, this all-night uh, restaurant, you know, in the middle of the night just writing some poetry or whatever I was doing. And there's this cat over there, and he's drawing these like crazy drawings. And he's really like a cartoonist, but, you know, those guys like do their own stuff too, right? And we started talking, and he took over the project. And he did all the, the uh, this guy, J. James McFarland. I mean, he's a far out cat, uh, you know, and um, he just cool. he took all the lyrics that he liked because we put a lyric page in there. And on the other side, a fold out thing, he drew like images to all the lyrics that he liked. So I was wow. like, oh, my God, this is like the, the songs are like come to life in imagery. So it was really, it was really wow. like a honored me. Very I was like, cool. wow, really flattered, you know? And he actually used it for like, you know, big uh, show that he had. It's like, it's more, it's like less a comic and less psychedelic. It's more like a piece of art, you know, or whatever. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that was fun to work Very with cool. that. And yeah, it was funny. I got, I kind of like a little, at one point the record label was like, uh, dude, uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta bottle the end, you know, you gotta put this thing out, you know. It's like we're not giving you any more. It was more like, okay, I need some more money to just finish this one thing. And they're like, no, it's done. I was like, okay, we're gonna go with the insert art, and that's it, and we'll package it up. You know, like, you know, you gotta bottle the end at some point because you can just keep working on it. So anyway, the vinyl trade, yeah. And that's, so. Cool, cool. Um, you, the last time, last time you were here, we talked about uh, the slime balls in San Francisco who. Um, uh. Yeah. Jumps well, I man. actually appreciated our conversation, man. You were like really insightful about that. And I think I made some progress in like, you know, I had written a song, which was like trying to like work through that, you know, bring all, you know, mm-hmm. I'm the rev, yeah. so I'm supposed to love the enemies and bring the uh, obstacles on the path of awakening and make, you know, if you get lemons, you get lemonade. And I mean, it's still kind of bittersweet, but it's like, no, it's no. actually BS. You know, yes, they ripped my stuff <laughs> off. I'm pissed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to work with that. There is a deep thing under there. It's like I still got the uh, serial numbers to those things, and when I see him in the pawn shop, I'll just be like, dude, that's my guitar. And then he'll be like, what? I'll be like, hey, man, you can call the cops. I got the serial number right here, you know? And I do have yeah. – I think yeah. I t- I t- we talked about this last time. I have a friend, uh, a musician friend up in Vancouver. We were hanging out, and he said, man, it was 11 years later. My amp tech, the amp just came across his desk, and I had given him the number. And maybe I should do that now. I'm talking about that. Like, give it to my guitar tech. Um, yeah. It just came across his desk, and he was like, "Hey, man, it sucks for the guy that that just bought the hot item or whatever." But he gave his right. amp back to me. No cost, no nothing. It was fine. He actually tuned it up, you know. So I'm like, "Hey, man, you know, it might take another ten years, but I'll get those guitars back." But on the other side of it, it's like been this like opportunity to, you know, we um, uh, I, I got a song out of it, and then we made this great kind of psychedelic video blues kind of blues man, you know, playing with the blues imagery of like the black cat and you know the mojo hand and all that stuff. And we made a video <laughs> out of it, and then I got to meet Mark Karen because I approached him and I said, "Hey man, I was, he was actually just playing with Phil Lesh at uh, the Terrapin Crossroads out in San Francisco when I was out there on tour, and I was just hanging out. You know, it's like it's not that like oh my god they're rock stars it's just like they're in the backyard playing so i was like hey mark what's right. happening man he was like hey what's happening you know and uh, i said man you know there's a track i got called hippie blues man blues and i really love you to play on it because i think you are the hippie blues man you know like, essence you know this is a guy for people who don't know uh your listeners mark karen he's uh, um he used to play with bob weir and rat dog and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know bob weir from grateful dead fame after garcia died right. and it was a much more a blues band 
You know, it's kind of going yeah. back to the Grateful Dead's roots when Pigpen was singing, you know. So we're actually yeah. working on an album right now. I got a call in this week oh, cool. about getting together, you know, and, and doing that kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like that psychedelic kind of thing, but always rooted in the blues. And I was like, well, maybe this might be a real homage to like, we're going to do some Pigpen tunes and some Dead tunes, but also, you know, like we're working on like Big Boss Man, right? But I want to bring it back to the nice. Reed version. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. all the hippies know the Grateful Dead version. They don't even know it's a Jimmy Reed tune. You know, I'm like, dude, my dad yeah. played me that Jimmy Reed tune like a thousand times when I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you listen to the Grateful Dead version, and you're like, oh, well, they're building on it. You know, they're expanding on the blues. Like, And so we were talking about, like, well, how do we, you know, honor the past and then take it into the future? Like, you know, Reverend Billy Gibbons says, it's like, all you can do is, you know, shed, or, you know, for people who don't understand that, mm-hmm. uh, like, practice as much as you can. And then you know right. you gotta you gotta interpret from the now and rock it out, man, and and feel it and, mm-hmm. and enjoy it, you know. So anyway, you've got to you've got to give it what you you've got to give it your essence or else it stagnates. Yeah. And if it stagnates, it dies. So it's you know right. it's, it's the, just like anything else, you know. Yeah, and 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 Absolutely. I think that it, when you when you keep the blues alive, it's like people, like you don't have to work that hard. Like you find a song yeah. that like captures the story. That you're living, or you make up a tune that captures that, and Jesus Louise, you know, whether you're black, black or white or green or red or whatever, you know, not to take anything away from the African American experience. I mean, that's tough to be, you know, African American in our culture. I mean, there's a lot of baggage there. 400 years of slavery is just not going to go away in a couple of generations. But you know, like even Albert King says, like everybody's got the blues. You know, even Muddy Waters talking about you got to get to church to know about the blues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. a human thing. So you know. You you know like our son house my hero you know the the, the preacher that became the blues man you know he says you know blues ain't nothing but a good man feeling bad you know or a good woman feeling bad so you know right. I come and come back yeah, to those absolutely. essential things of like let's connect with humanity here you know and 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 singing the blues helps I think if you howl at the moon you think at least ooh all right at least I'm feeling better and other people can you know commiserate with me like yeah I'm feeling that too you know and that's that's what we talk about in the Buddhist tradition is compassion so I feel like there's a real connection from what I'm studying spiritually and what the blues is, is preaching the blues, you know, kind of thing. Really. So. Uh, you, you've convinced me over the years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't, Amen. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure when we heard the first time where, where you were coming from. I was like, wait a second. Uh, oh, wait a second. Hold on. But I, gotta, I yeah. like the music, so I'll talk to the guy, you know, and you've good. Thank me, you so, for doing so we're all good. We're all good there. So, I mean, you got this new album coming up. I mean, that, that sounds like that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I can't, yeah. I'm lo- looking forward to hearing that. That should be that should be a lot of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, real blue. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, his name is Reverend Freakchild. He's a musician. You should know. Uh, check out the website at now. Follow me, folks. Okay, because we're talking about Freakchild again. www.www-reverendfreakchild.org. <laughs> 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 okay, so you get it at www.www-hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> Reverendfreakchild.org because, like I said, he's the rev. You know, it would, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be simple to just be www.reverendfreakchild. We're playing with the paradigms uh, all over the place, man. I trick myself always. sometimes. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm confusing myself. So, but we're having fun, man. Yeah. We're having fun with it, you know, and respectful, respectful. We're gonna play one last song from Road Dog Dharma. Um, you know, it's the album with uh, all of the Reverend's favorite DJs on it. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do yeah. that. Okay, never mind. Um, 
I appreciate that. No, we're good. We're all good. I love it. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you. You know, I kid because, because I, I appreciate you. And it, it, you it's know, no, I be definitely, a lot of fun. And I appreciate your vibe, man. It's always a, a pleasure being on your show and, and talking talking to you and, and all the best with the move and everything, man. God bless you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, safe until next Monday, be happy, be safe, and share the blues like Reverend Free Charles Virgin and J.J. Kells call me the breeze. And then, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to play Spencer Bowen's Making It Home to You in honor of uh, his passing the, uh, the other day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, God bless. Yeah, we'll see you next Monday, folks. Call me the breeze. Now let's get back to tonight's Lambeth Live with Reverend Freechild. Reverend Freechild, hey, that's me. Hey, thank you all the studio audience here. I'll put a big hand for yourselves. <laughs> and how about a big hand for my friend, like the soul man, Patrick Goldman. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're going to do a little J.J. Kale tune for you here. Uh, you might recognize it in a different form, a different version from your classic rock studio stations, but we're going to try to bring it back to its simplicity and beauty here. But anyway, it goes a little something like, something, something like this.
Thank you, thank you so much. You're too kind. It stops and turns on a dime. 